Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs, with me, Linnea, licensed psychologist and head of people. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. In every episode, I will speak with thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practices within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Our guest on today's episode is Colin Bison. Colin is the VP of People and Culture at Jobelong. Karin is the brain behind the practicalities in building Jobelong's great employer brand and enforcing a true happiness culture. She often speaks about employer branding, culture building, and recruitment. And today we're going to talk about how you can adapt your hiring process based on a company size. Welcome to How We Hire, Colin. Thank you, Linnea. What an intro. Exactly. A lot to live up to. Yes. Can we also say that we have been in a student specs together? Is that relevant for the audience? Don't know, but I love that we've been in a student. Do you call it specs? Probably not. Yeah, but we've been basically basically having a lot of fun together while studying. Exactly. But now we're going to focus on our new passion, which is recruitment. So before we jump into that, so VP of People and Culture at Jobelong, can't you just tell us a little bit about your role, how you ended up there, but also about Jobelong? Yes, of course. So uh, my role today at Jobelong is, as you know already, VP People and Culture. So I'm basically heading up everything that is related to HR, talent acquisition, and started here three years ago. So it's been super fun to yeah, see not only the the team grow, but also see uh, see how, how far we've gone in terms of our product development and, and, and growth, I would say, overall. And I, I started at Jobalon actually in a totally different role, worked with HR and recruitment for several years, but found Jobalon and kind of, it sounds super cliche, but I kind of fell in love with the whole culture, the product and everything. And I basically realized, okay, this is a company. I need to be a part of this journey. So stepped into a customer success role and then I missed HR. I missed recruitment. So I got the opportunity to kind of go back, you could say, and do that, but stay at this amazing company. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And what does Jobelon do? I mean, we have an episode with your CEO, Olaf, but still, like for the ones that haven't tuned into that one or doesn't know what Jobelon is all about, what is Jobelon? Yes, yes, of course. So Jobelon is uh, short and sweet. It's a recruitment software and we work mainly towards enterprise companies. And yeah, we help hiring managers and recruitment to be able to streamline their recruitment processes. So that's Jobelon in short. And I think what's interesting in like your role, I mean, you have, as you said, like work in recruitment for like a lot of different companies before this. And now you have, I mean, Jobalon is still a somewhat small team, but you're working with larger companies. So I think you have like a foot in several worlds, both the smaller like scale up world, but also like big enterprise world. But if we start in the little bucket where you spend most of your time, meaning Jobalon, what would you say has been like the most interesting and like rewarding aspect of building the team and, and company culture there? Yeah, good question. If you look at my background, I've been working before Jobelon at a larger corporate company and uh, before that at a startup, like more, uh, I would say, proper startup. You know, we got an investment and then I sat there, I remember, with a long list of uh, recruitment that, that were supposed to be made yesterday. 
so I think I have a lot of different perspective there in terms of recruitment. And I would say what's been most interesting with my role today at Jobalon is to be a part of a company that is still, yeah, we're scale up. Uh, we had some structures in place when I started. So when I started Jobalon, we're a team of 20 persons and we didn't have a lot of structures in place. Uh, so the first thing I had to do was pretty much build everything in terms of how we recruit and how we, you know, set salaries and and everything related to that. So with that being said, I think what's been most interesting to see and what I learned at Jobalon, but also before that, is that I think you need to be very open-minded when working with company culture and recruitment and be humble to the fact that one size doesn't fit all. You need to question things and try new things out to make sure it actually suits your company and especially suits the stage where you are at. So for example, at Jobalon, I mean, when I started, it was a stage where we had to recruit a lot during a a short period of time. Uh, So the first thing there was to put a structure in place, like that was priority number one. At my previous job, the structures were in place, but at that company, we needed to focus a lot more on, you know, candidate experience and how to make the processes a bit more efficient because there were larger volumes of candidates. So it was more that type of complexity at that company. So yeah, I would say uh, you need to adapt depending on, on stage where you are. Yeah. And how do you know what to adapt to? How do you find out like these are the most important pain points? This is how we can create the most value for the situation that and context that we are in. Yeah, good question. I think, of course, you need to start looking at the actual data and also look at your challenges and the goals that you have as a company. Because at Joblon, our challenges, I would say, was that we didn't have a sales team, for example. So I was very focused in the beginning to look at how can we scale an actual sales team? Because, of course, that differs a lot if you're going to build a sales team or engineering team. So, of course, you need to... First of all, look at, okay, what are our goals and what are our challenges? And then adapt, of course, the processes. Yeah, based on that, I would say, yeah. It sounds like regardless of situation, you always need to understand like the business context. Where are we heading? What is it that we have ahead of us, behind us and right in front of us and kind of adapt based on that to best support the organization? Definitely. And I think at Jovalon also, we had to work more with actually defining, okay, what are our business goals? So I think a lot of companies out there, perhaps, you know, they have a vision, but you also need to work boiling that down. If you look at, for example, like OKRs, I mean, that's just one way to do it. But I think those, as you said, the the business goals are maybe the first party or the first thing you need to, to look at and adapt accordingly. Yeah. I love that you say that because like personally, I'm super bullish on having really like clear expectations and goals because I think that helps in so many ways. It's not just to guide the organization in like, what do we work towards? It's also to guide everyone to work in the same direction and that all kind of different departments can jump on that journey. So in my mind, I think Alva, we often talk about like the recruiter to be kind of like the gatekeeper, that they can be the the hopefully voice of sanity in making sure like, is this the right role? Is this like the right criteria? Is this the right process? Is this the right decision? Always having that like objective mindset. And I think when you kind of really turn up the volume on being that gatekeeper, 
and like something that is, is has been a lot large part of my role has always been to make sure that people know where they're running or what like what targets they're running towards so like don't even start a recruitment process if the department doesn't have you know a clear goal a clear vision that they know that what they're going to do because if they don't know we won't know what we will look for we can't sell the role we can't pitch it we can't lay in it we can't set the right prerequisites or the right expectations i think that speaks to so much yeah, and I think that's super interesting. And and I love that you said the word gatekeeper. I think like when I try to describe that, what you, you were just talking about, I, I love to talk about like context over control. Because I think also when you're scaling a company, it's so common that you think, okay, the more rules we set, the better. But I think it's, it's rather the opposite. And I think the most important thing is what you're just mentioning to set the context. And what I mean with that is not only setting clear goals. And I can honestly feel like that's something we're working on at Joblon at the moment. Like, how can we create a structure for that? So everyone feels that, okay, my job is relevant because I can see that in the actual goals. So meaningfulness in that way, but but also in terms of culture. So I see it as two sides. Uh, so it's, of course, the goals, but it's also the, the behaviors. I think if you have like clear circles, clear behaviors, like this is how we're supposed to act and behave towards each other and customers, et cetera. That is what we promote because that in the end will make us reach those business goals. Uh, I think that is the context. And if you set that, then the employees can operate within that context. They can make their own decisions or take their own decisions without you know, having to go to their manager and, and ask for approval. And that also creates trust, of course. So I think there's so many benefits with it's easy to say, I understand that. And again, it's something we're working on daily, you know, set that context. But if you manage to do that, yeah, again, you have so many positive outcomes from that. You, you create trust, you create meaningfulness. And, and also today looking at like, I read the article about like why employees leave their employers today. And I think it was super interesting and maybe not that surprising, I guess, for, for you and I that are in this area, but but it's not money anymore. Like money before was a treadmill. And today that's replaced with meaningfulness that employees, of course, need to feel, okay, my actual work is seen and it's valuable. And it's not only, I remember when when I started working with Recruit, I worked at this company that, you know, pitched a lot about the vision and we're kind of like saving the world. And I think that also slowly is, is the starting to get a bit outdated. Uh, it's not about, you know, saving the world. It's more about the individual feeling that they contribute. And um, yeah, I think that also is something we need to work on in terms of leadership as well. So of course, there's, yeah, so many different aspects to, to keep in mind. But to summarize it, if you, if you manage to set clear goals, set the behaviors, I think you come a, come a long way. And then you, of course, need to follow up on that and work with it continuously it never ends (laughs) but yeah exactly and that's the good thing and i think because one thing that came to mind i mean you said that they like having meaning we talked about goals one thing that comes to mind is that did you know that only 50 percent of the workforce knows what's expected of them at work wow yeah that's i mean that's especially being like since we're starting like talking about how to adapt your recruitment process based on your company size like if like early stage, it's often really, really hard to set super clear like role descriptions because 
like things will change, but if you can still set like expectations and be honest that they will change, but that's also setting an expectation, right? Like regardless of size, but be better than those 50%, I guess. Yeah. But that's super interesting data. I didn't know that. That's a crazy number, 60%. Yeah. And imagine you could turn that around and imagine like how that would like engage those priests feeling that they don't have any direction. Yeah. It was interesting what you said about role descriptions and that I remember like several years ago, I was like super, super keen on you know having these super detailed role descriptions that that was like the most crucial part and of course still like if you start a recruitment process it doesn't matter if you're a scale up or large corporate like of course you need to have when starting the whole thing a, a clear idea like what are you searching for of course but then in terms of like having a role description with exactly you know on a day-to-day basis like that will change so I think you also need to be open-minded for that and again like more set the context and then the employee can come with their input and, and change that. No, for sure. Like our role descriptions are pretty much like the targets for that role. Like what are the KPIs? What are you measured on? And then like a few bullet points on ish, these are the areas that you're responsible for. And then we, as you say, try to, not saying we're successful always, but trying to lead with context and like these are our values, these are the expectations. Um, so that letting people operate in that context but okay if we we, i mean we are discussing now smaller companies that you need to spend the time to make sure that you can set targets clear expectations are outspoken with your culture you mentioned but like how can you approach and like select top talent when you are in this like smaller phase when you're competing with these massive companies that can offer maybe higher salaries and all of that like what's your take on that yeah, I think that's a lot related to what we just talked about in regard to meaningfulness that today compared to a couple of years ago, like again, benefits such as like having a, an amazing office or uh, having these uh, crazy benefits, like that is not the top priority. And I think because of that, the smaller companies that maybe don't have the, the same muscles as a large corporate, they can actually use that and make sure that they work with their employee brand basically like from you know the first ad making sure okay how do we stand out that doesn't need to cost any money that could be you promoting certain employees uh, with you know small things such as quotes or a video of one of your employees and about what brings them meaningfulness at work so I think yeah you should use that as a positive thing that you could actually pinpoint out what creates meaningfulness at your company and then promote that on the career page, on your ads, in the interviews, of course, uh, because I think in the end, then you will be able to compete, even though maybe the larger companies have better benefits. But yeah, I think, again, meaningfulness will have a a stronger bait (laughs) on candidates. Yeah. And I guess to some extent, that's free as long as you tell that story in a compelling way. I think the employer brand also, I mean, you're a lot better at employer branding than I am, but in my mind, it needs to kind of like set the tone. So if you are this like large organization, if you have a video of an employee, like maybe that is like actually a production and it's someone that can (laughs) record, that is recording. Whereas like smaller company, it's okay if it's your iPhone and there's a you make mistakes and you can giggle a little bit. It's like, if that actually represents where you are at, I think that's 
fairer and more honest and not something that you should see as, oh, we're not good enough, so we're not going to do it. Yeah, it's better to just also try things out. As you said, it could be a super basic video. I know a company that we use that's called Life Inside, where the employees can just you know upload a, a video of themselves and then that video is shown in the ads. So we've been using that. So, I mean, as you said, it's, it's more authentic also. And again, if you're in a startup scale-up phase, I think the best thing is to just try different things out and see, okay, what, what actually works for you. So yeah, definitely agree that you don't need to have like a production team in-house to be able to do those type of, of initiatives. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've actually used Jobolan as an example when I discussed employer branding and how you can compete without just competing for salaries. Because I think one thing that I think at least both Jobolan and Alva had tried early on is to pick something that stands out and use that as like, this is how we do things here. Like we chose to have like a lot of vacation. We have 35 days of vacation per year. I know that you have like, you move the office to a different location. Can't you just like quickly, what is that? And how has that helped in like attracting talent? Yeah, I love that you bring that up because personally, that's something that I like look forward to every year. So first of all, we're a very remote team and we're not alone with that. So basically at Jobline, you could work anywhere as long as you can do a job. It's up to you to decide if it's the office here in Stockholm or yeah, we have employees in Brazil, Portugal, Finland, etc. So at least one time per year, we kind of like move. Uh, yeah, or I would say rather we gather the team from all these different remote locations and we find a spot where we work together for a couple of days. And of course, that's amazing just to get the opportunity to actually meet up. Last year, we went to South Africa and I remember it was, you know, several of my colleagues that I recruited that I hadn't met face-to-face. That was amazing. And again, it's not like this conference. Of course, we do fun activities as well, but the whole idea is that we actually work from that location as well. Yeah. And I think that's such a good example of like small things that you can do a lot of and that says a lot about who you are as a company, even if it is early stage when most candidates won't know who you are. I think that's a fun, playful way to like show off your employer brand. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, but okay, okay. So we've talked a little bit about like early stage. How would you say going from like startup to scale up, how would you adapt like the hiring process in that phase? Yeah, I think when you're in a scale-up phase and also I guess when you're at a large corporate company, maybe you have an in-house recruitment function, I think uh, you need to, of course, uh, yeah, look at the structure for how you you recruit, but you also need to, to streamline it. Of course, like usually you maybe have a lot of different stakeholders involved and you need to make sure that uh, the communication is working. You have like hiring managers that I haven't met before. So I think when talking about like larger companies, maybe I think a hiring software or HS is like the, yeah, of essence there when, when, when scaling. And also in terms of like attraction and sourcing, I think you need to also spend resources on that and make sure you actually build your talent pool and, and attract candidates long-term. And I would say also, and I think this is something that you at Alva talk about a lot, when recruiting and not only focusing on skills, uh, but also look at culture fit, look at potential and uh, yeah, spend time on that and really try to 
pinpoint out, okay, what type of candidates do we want to find? And also, of course, look at the current team and, and try to find a diverse match there. Because I think also looking back, I, I worked at companies before where we had different assessments and we did profiles based on, okay, who's the top seller in this team? And then we tried to find persons that were exactly the same. And again, like depending on what stage you are, I think that could be a good thing to do. But I think, for example, at Jovlon today, if we look at our different teams, I would love to do the opposite. We would love to like, you know, create more diverse groups. So I think using, for example, like Alva assessments and those type of tools, uh, you need to do that, but be cautious and maybe also question how you use assessments and just related to diversity. I mean, going from like smaller company to larger company, what would you say are the biggest or most common like mistakes that you do in scaling your hiring process? I think one thing is that you perhaps have a recruitment process in place and you, you like take those things off, but you don't have the other parts of the whole machinery in place, such as like salary process, for example, or you don't have an onboarding process in place or exit process. So I think when you reach that stage where you know how to have a structured interviews, you use your assessments, you use cases, you have all those like core bricks in place, it's important to not forget, okay, but but then what, like what happens when we actually onboard that person? How can we make that efficient? And how can we, of course, get the person that we're hiring up and running in the best way possible. So um, at Jobland, I think that that was also something that we faced, that we set our recruitment process, but then we didn't have the other parts in place. So that was kind of like the next step for us to build. But I would say also the, the salary. I know you and I have been talking about this. A lot. <laughs> A lot. There's different ways to do that. And it takes time. I would love to talk to anyone doing that quickly <laughs> so I would say uh, yeah the whole salary review is something that we've been spending a lot of time on at Jobulon and today we base that on on our values but again that's like one way to do it and I realized like okay in like two three years yeah it will probably not look the same we, we will need to to treat that as we grow so yeah, I would say scaling a company and when you have the basics in place, it's important to remember reviews, performance, setting goals, all of these things that, that we've been talking about and that you have, actually have a have a structure for that. I think this is so fascinating because in my mind, like the recruitment process in itself should probably not differ a whole lot between if you're hiring for like small startup fast growing scale up, large enterprise, like you should still have those elements of like assessing in an objective way. You should have your structured interviews, you should ideally have your cases. But obviously like the the role descriptions will differ because it will be more generic, do a little bit of everything in the beginning and then more and more specific and specialized. But I think it's interesting what you point out is that maybe the biggest difference is everything around the hiring process. Because I think this is why, at least in my mind, the people world is so fun because everything is connected to everything. And it's so easy to think that hiring, it's just my hiring process, but everything is connected to like the employee journey really becomes like powerful is when there is, when everything makes sense, when we can use you know, our values and our culture in our hiring process to set the right expectations together with 
our goals and then we can onboard in a way where, I mean, that to me is true operational excellence. And it's really, really hard. And just like out of curiosity, like in what order have you built this? Like, what was your first thing? What was your second thing? What are you focused on now? What haven't you got started with? Happy to share mine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I love that whole advice. That like, again, I agree that looking at recruitment processes, like there are certain things that you should have. It doesn't matter if you're a big company or, or, or a startup, but the, the things around it is as crucial. And I think those parts are easy to maybe forget or take for granted sometimes. And at Jobla, like when, when I started, first thing was to set our recruitment process and a structure for that. But then we realized quite quickly, okay, we do not have, for example, looking at our culture, like we felt like, okay, we have a very strong culture at Jobalon, but like, what is that? So one of the first things I did after setting the whole recruitment machinery was to actually look at, okay, we talk a lot about happiness at Jobalon, like what does that mean? I mean, happiness is different depending on who you're talking to. And our values is like passion for business, passion for product, passion for people. Again, it doesn't say anything if you don't narrow it down like okay what is that actual behaviors so that was like my second thing to do to actually try to you know boil at that okay what are the behaviors and uh, and then of course step number two in that whole process like how can we make that visible and also measure that when we recruit when we have our onboarding when we promote and also salaries so that's why we try to again talk about that whole employee life cycle we didn't want our values to end up just in the recruitment process but also to follow through the whole employee life cycle with the salaries but that again is I mean it's an ongoing process right now I'm looking into okay we have our yearly salary reviews okay we need to incorporate our behaviors and set our goals in a more clear way throughout the year maybe sounds super basic but that's something I'm looking into right now. Like, how can we do that in, a, I would say, an easy way for all managers to, for them to be able to follow up on that? And I've been talking about like the importance of having a recruitment software. What you just said, the other part, like onboarding and salary, like, okay, what systems or tools are you using there? And that's something also we're looking into. Like, okay, we have several different tools at the moment. Okay, how can we? boil that down into perhaps one or two so everything is streamlined a lot of things to work on there but again I think we will always have to tweak as we grow and I guess that's what's fun as well but I, I would say now I'm, I'm like stuck in and we've been talking about that goal setting and how do you do that because I mean it's hard and so hard you can do it in so many different ways <laughs> so yeah no I think and just to share like it sounds like we have a similar playbook to some extent I think the way that we have built out the people function here at Alva is pretty much following the employee journey. So we also started out with the hiring process. We set our values super, super early. And I think that's probably one of the best things that we've done, but like, we're not ever done with that, as you say, but we set that like really early second came or like third, I guess, came like onboarding to really try to make that as efficient as possible. And then kind of goal setting, uh, making sure that 
people know what's expected of them. And then I guess came to some extent like engagement, leadership development. When people start leaving, you need to develop your, your exit process a little bit as you go, but then also like professionalize it. And then, I mean, yes, we spent a lot of time pretty early on the salary process for sure. And I think now we have like a version of a lot. I think one thing that we have not gotten started with yet, or we have embryos of everything, but I wouldn't say that like, oh, we've nailed this. And that's like learning and development because it's just something I've had to push ahead of me. But I really like to pick up on what, what you just said here at the end. It's like, you need to start like streamlining, finding the right tools. And I think that really speaks to the journey that you're on. Like you start implementing different things and all of a sudden it gets complex. So then you need to go back a little bit and make it easier because I think the more you scale and the larger the organization gets, the more complex it gets. And all of a sudden it's not just, oh, I have one manager in sales to help and one in, in products. It's also like I have five managers in sales in five different continents and they're now working in five different assessment tools or recruitment uh, like tools. And now we need to streamline. So I think it's always about like the build, putting the building blocks and then taking a step back and making sure that it's aligned. I don't know, long round here. But I think that, that is also super interesting talking about different systems because I think it's also I need to remind myself sometimes, you know, I have these demos for different type of systems that could provide me with different type of parts. It could be engagement service or whatever. And I realized like, okay, of course, it could be beneficial for us to buy one of those systems, but it's all about also, of course, like how do you use them and making sure that the, for example, like different training, I, I know like LinkedIn Learning, I've been using that at previous jobs, but I also realized quite quickly that that was, I mean, an amazing benefit to have at that workplace, but no one used it. So what I want to say is that uh, I realized like, okay, if you invest in a certain tool for me, at least and at Joblon, I want that to make sense. And of course, I need to feel that it doesn't only cover one need. It needs to be, I think, something that actually provides not only the manager's support, but also the employees at the same time. And of course, you need to make sure that the organization is using it and not only me working with HR. I think it's it's, uh, (laughs) a nice to have. Exactly. You don't want to be the process owner of a process that everyone hates and no one uses or see the benefit from. I think that's my nightmare having the profession I have. So I, I 100% resonate with that. But okay, so if we then talk a little bit about like modifications, because we said like, you know, you have to build and adjust. What modifications have you like you found effective for the hiring process when it comes to like scaling it up from early stage to, to later stages? Yeah, to take an actual example from Jobalon, when I started was that, yeah, of course, we had a recruitment process. It was interviews. But for example, we had one step in the in the process in the end that, that was lunch together with the team. And when you hear that, of course, you can say, OK, that sounds nice. It's an opportunity for the team to meet the potential new, new colleague and vice versa. But that was one thing that I removed. Uh, I would say that was the first thing I, I decided, okay, it's kind of like kill your darlings kind of moment, because I realized that was something everyone loved. Everyone was like, no, we should have these fikas and lunches. But I realized, first of all, of course, that was not, 
it was not efficient. Uh, it was not scalable. It, of course, took a lot of time for everyone involved. And perhaps it worked when we were like 15 employees. But when you're 50 or 100, I mean, that's pretty much impossible. And of course, it's also, if you look at having a step in that process, it's super biased uh, is what I want to say. And so, of course, those lunches was based on gut feeling. It was definitely not a structured interview in that sense. So I would say one thing when you modify your processes, I would say, yeah, like kill your darlings. I guess everyone has, you know, one step in their process that are maybe not that unbiased and that are maybe uh, a step that, you know, the founder started with uh, when they created a company several years ago. So I would say that is one thing that we did at Job Long at least. Yeah, and I can really build on that. I, to me, it's about scaling efficiency so that you need to actually, as you say, kill your darlings, remove steps, but remain kind of the accuracy, objectivity, but also because there's something around that I think is challenging. When you work in recruitment, you often know like, okay, we need to have these steps to make a informed decision. But then you have the hiring manager that often wants to have that lunch or get the sense for the candidate, get under the skin of the candidate, like whatever that is, so that they can feel that they're making an informed, secure decision. So I think to me, it's like the modifications is often to save time, remain quality, and kind of keep that sense of trust for the process. And I think that is a fine balance. Do you have any tips or tricks on how what you've done to improve on that area? I think that's a very good point because again, when I started at Jobalon, people at Jobalon thought maybe we, we had a recruitment process in place. And I think if I wouldn't have, for example, had these you know sessions talking about, okay, why do we have a case in our process, like how does a proper recruitment process look like? I think if I wouldn't have done those type of sessions with the team and with the managers, I don't think that uh, what you were talking about, I don't think that overrates, we think that again. So I think it's super important to communicate to the team, like why are we having the certain steps that we have in our process and actually educate them. Uh, so I've done several of those sessions talking about like, okay, why do we use assessments in our processes? Because if you don't do that, then you will in the end, you will have managers who will, as you said, jump in and say, you know what, I think we should have that extra lunch or have that extra fika. And again, the recruitment team has to be the gatekeepers there, but it's hard to be a gatekeeper and create consensus and get a buy-in from the managers if you don't educate them and inform them why you're doing this. So And recruit at the same time, because you also have a thousand roles that you have to fill. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's super interesting that you mentioned that, that how do you get a buy-in from managers? So I think that's crucial because if you don't get that in the end, for example, I, at my previous job, I mean, it was super common that the managers went to external firms, for example. They had their processes. They looked for other things in terms of culture. And I think with that experience as well, I realized like at that company, if the managers would have got more training or more education, why, for example, we use our in-house recruitment team at this company and the benefits with that, I think if we would have talked about that more, uh, I don't think the managers would have turned to external firms, for example. So yeah, super interesting. And I think because at the end of the day, all companies want to have an accurate process where they hire the right person for the right job in a, well, hopefully like 
fair way as possible. And in your mind, how can we ensure that like fairness in the hiring process as we scale and as we grow? I think the first thing that you can do that is pretty easy start is to look at like who's writing your ads. So for example, if you look at fairness, say for example, you're you want to attract more women into your engineering team. I mean, we all know that it's it's harder to find female engineers in today's job market. So one thing there that you can instead of just, you know, there's less female engineers out there. So we just have to buy that. Okay. We will not find any female engineers. You could actually first look at okay could we actually get a female engineer writing our ads? There's different type of tools out there actually uh, that you can use where you can like copy paste your ad and you can see, okay, the wording that we use in this ad, does this wording actually attract females or or not? Can you share what type of tools have you used that you liked? Yes, Textio is, they help you make sure that your ads and and the copy that you write is, uh, yeah, you minimize biases and you can actually... Make sure that, again, if you have an ad written by a a male engineer, that ad will probably attract male engineers. So so Textio is one example of a company that you can use to, first things first, look at your ads, what audience you actually attract to get a more diverse pool of candidates applying. And second thing I would say also, like if you look at your sourcing list, if you have, perhaps you have a full-time sourcer in your team or or you have someone responsible for that, make sure that the type of, or the list of candidates that you source, make sure that that is 50-50, even though it will be harder to maybe find female engineers. But if you just put that extra time and effort and actually having a list with 50-50, then again, you will, of course, uh, increase the, the odds of finding a female engineer. So that is just an example of like how you could actually work proactively with the diversifying your your candidate pool and in the end, hopefully your your team with the ads and the, the list. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this because in my mind, again, like it's all about accuracy, finding the right person for the right job and giving everyone a fair chance to prove if they are the right person. So I think like at the end of the day, you should choose the one that's the most suitable for the job as long as you've done the work of giving everyone a fair chance throughout your process. I think the two examples that you raise of how you source and how you describe, like write the ad, describe the the position are two great points of leveling the playing field so that everyone will have a fair chance so that the best person actually can get the job. Because I think the traditional way of hiring where well i mean you source only in your own network you have a very generic job ad you have subjective methods you might end up with a good hire like based on luck based on like the majority of people are decent (laughs) but it's not giving everyone the same chance to be successful and it's not optimizing for like truly find the right person for the jobs i think uh, great examples of how you can build fairness in a scalable way so great okay and final question before we start wrapping up in your mind how can companies like measure like the effectiveness of how they have adapted their hiring process like what should or shouldn't you track 
I think that question is super broad. I think, yeah, we might have like a separate session only about that because of course it depends on like <laughs> what you need to focus on and what you change. So say, for example, we, we take the example I just talked about that you actually change your ads or you change your application form, then of course you need to look at conversion rate as, as a great example and actually look at, okay, do we actually convert new type of candidates into the process so i think you have to look at the data of course and kind of do a a b testing uh, depending on what type of tweaks you do and also i think one thing that i look a lot at is drop off rate for example like why do certain candidates drop off in certain stage of the process So that is one thing I usually look at and try to understand. I think uh, this is, of course, all about curiosity and look at your numbers and try to ask questions like, okay, why are candidates dropping out after the first interview, for example, and really try to question the type of steps you have in in the process and, and making sure that it makes sense and it's the reason behind each and every step. Again, kill your darlings, don't have a step in your process that doesn't provide you with any information it's, but I would say one other thing is also look at your bottlenecks so also look at where candidates get uh, get stuck uh, so yeah I would say conversion bottlenecks and also the drop-off rate and before you do that of course you need to know what you're looking for and I would say also try to focus on one thing at a time it's hard to see a trend if you like start to tweak everything at once you end up with a big question mark in the end. So take it step by step, start tweak one thing. It could be the ad, it could be the application form. Maybe you remove the CV. Instead, you have only screening questions. Like what happens? Do you get a higher conversion rate? And it doesn't matter if that conversion rate maybe increases, maybe the candidate quality decreases. Okay, maybe you should go back to (laughs) what you did before. So yeah, it all ends up with asking the right question before you do the tweaks and then do it step by step. And, you know, I mean, to me, I think this, it's pretty much putting on like your science code, right? And treating your hiring process as it's, it's a laboratory and no researcher would ever change all the conditions at once because then you don't know what's actually causing the effect. I think that's a metaphor that's super helpful. And then what you said, like, it's all about linking it to what the goals actually are. And just one quick double click, because I think this would be interesting based on your experience. When you've looked at drop-off rates, can you share a tweak that you've made that's improved the drop-off rates? In our processes, we had some issues with our processes taking, it took a lot of time in the middle. So in the second interviews, we realized, okay, we had a lot of drop-offs and the candidates taking on other offers and accepting other offers instead of continuing our processes. And I think the reason or what we could see in the data was because of the time. So it was us not being quick enough with feedback and quick enough with responding and, and keeping the candidates warm. So we realized, okay, we need to Optimize this a bit, you know, having those type of, you know, follow-up emails, making sure that the candidates feel seen and heard throughout this process. But also, again, making sure that the managers know exactly, okay, after my interview with the candidate, what's the next step? So I think in the beginning, we had to inform hiring managers about, okay, how do you, what, what, what responsibility do you have in this process instead of 
HR or basically me having to, you know, poke them and say, okay, are we proceeding or not? So I, I think what we could tell with our drop-off rates was that we had to be more efficient and educate again the managers a bit more on how to how to act and follow up better with the candidates. Yeah. And how much powerful it can be to nudge the hiring managers when you have actual data of like, you are losing the people you want to hire. You're setting yourself in a much harder position because of this, rather than coming as like, now you're going to have to be quicker. And like that is just so much more powerful. I think that's a great example of really trying to iterate, learn, think of, or focus on one thing at a time. So I think that's great. Yeah. And that's Alva. Have you had any any of those? <laughs> that's a great question. I think we got feedback that our structured interviews were a bit robotic from a few candidates. Like most liked it, but a few candidates was like it felt too static. So what we did based on that was that we created a more clear intro. Like the interview will work like this because of. We will handle it like this because of, so that it was, we tried to be a lot more explicit with like the purpose and the overall like condition of the interview, both in like when we sent out information ahead of the interview and then during the interview. So that's like one of those like small tweaks um, that I think improved our process a lot, like not necessarily based on drop-off rates, but still based on like, ooh, there's something here that we don't want to scale. <laughs> we need to solve this. So I think that's that's an example. Yeah, I love that. I love the whole thing. We also started doing that using a tool you could say for helping the candidates before they step into the interview. So they get in the welcome email, welcome for an interview. They also get a little link like this is how the interview is going to work. And here you can read more about our values. And these type of questions usually pop up. So you can actually, again, leveling out the playing field by actually giving all candidates the same type of uh, resources and information so they can actually perform in an interview because we all know that like certain people are super good at interviews they know exactly how to to answer certain questions and some candidates maybe have their first interview and so I think that is a great point to actually give everyone that little first introduction even before the interview yeah so time flies when you're having fun one final, final, final question. Karen, what's an important lesson you would like to share with, with the audience in your background as a uh, experienced recruiter? Yes. I don't think I mentioned that in the beginning, but I would say when, especially when you're scaling a company and work with recruitment to prioritize and not do everything at once. So looking back at a previous job that I had, where I got a list with 50 employees that were supposed to, to be hired yesterday, I didn't question and I didn't challenge. So I think that's something that I bring with me a lot to like dare to challenge, dare to question why we're recruiting these roles and also do not start working with the processes based on what hiring managers that are screaming the loudest uh, based it on, okay, what's the foundation here? For example, at that company, the foundation, which like makes sense, it was product company, it was the product, we need to find engineers. But since I had this list, you know, with 50 different type of roles, it ended up with us recruiting, for example, sales, CS first, because that was easiest to find. So I think that was maybe sounds like a rookie mistake, but something I, I think about quite often that, okay, 
at that time, I was kind of my first job in, in recruitment. But if I would have done that today, I would definitely, you know, not build the whole car at the same time. I would have started with like the basic thing first and then on top of that, uh, built the rest. So, yeah, I would say when you work with recruitment, like prioritize and dare to challenge. And as you said, like be the gatekeeper and question things. Yeah. I'm going to sum that up as like, go back to what's the goal for the organization in that department? Like what's most important? And then gatekeeping, gatekeeping, gatekeeping. And on that note, Karen, thank you so much for joining How We Hire. It was a pure pleasure to speak to you as always. Thank you too. And I guess we need to do a a separate episode on... Gatekeeping. Gatekeeping. (laughs) Could have just so many episodes. Uh, no, but yeah. it was lovely. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening. Thank you too. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, please connect with me and Karen on LinkedIn to continue this discussion. And hope to hear from you again in two weeks when there's another episode of How We Hire. Until then, ta-ta. Ta-ta. Bye-bye.